Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and I'm very pleased to be talking today about the Land Stewardship Project. They're celebrating their 40th years, and you're invited to join them on Friday, January 20th, for an evening that celebrates our relationship with the land, our relationship with the land, and our relationship with each other. Um, from 5.30 to 7.30, there'll be a special guest. Uh, this is a virtual event. Uh, the author of Braiding Sweetgrass, Robin Wall Kimmer. So to get details on that, you can go to Land Stewardship Project. And joining us now is Jody, Jody Lenz, who's been active uh, with Land Stewardship Project. So welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, so I am a CSA vegetable farmer in Star Prairie, Wisconsin. Um, my husband and I started farming 16 years ago. Um, we have three kids who are now 20, 19, and 16, and they really just grew up on the farm, which has been wonderful. Um, and uh, what about, uh, and you're involved in the Land Stewardship Project, so um what, what, how would you describe the Land Stewardship Project to someone who's not familiar with it? Um, that it's a, a land conservation organization is how I think of how it started. And it still is that. But they quickly came to realize that if they wanted to conserve land, they needed to work with those who held the land, which was farmers. Um, so they've been strong supporters of more farmers on the land, not less. The so smaller farms sustainable farms that thrive, um, sustainable being financially sustainable, but also sustainable to the soil and the water and the and the lifestyle. Um, if farmers are burnt out doing what they're doing, then they can't keep doing it. So um, so that's, that's who LSP has been for us. Is, uh, and we've been able to get a lot of support. Um, get, we've had mentors through LSP, and we've just met amazing people. Um, and so um, tell us about the land that you're on. Uh, we purchased this land um, 16 years ago. We had taken the Farm Beginnings class. We kind of knew what we were looking for. Um, the land itself has been corn and soybeans for many, many, many years before we got it. Um, we spent... Well, every year since we bought it, we've been improving the soil um, with new crops that have not been corn and soybeans, with crop rotation, with um, uh, using, uh, sorry, lost my words, um, no-till and when possible, lots of cover cropping. Um, and we've recently brought cows onto the land just for the purpose of grazing and fertilizing naturally as nature intended so so you just brought cows um, on the land to naturally fertilize but it wasn't a a commodity type approach it was correct correct our farm is only about 18 acres big um so we did not have enough land to have a herd of anything i do have a flock of chickens and we do have some pigs that we pasture but they can't be in the vegetable area even on the cover crop um, we just don't have enough room to make sure for food safety-wise that there's a big enough buffer. Um, but I found that I could have two small cows, and so I got two Dexter cows, which are very small, and their job is to be is to graze um, our um, cover crop areas 
And I just move them around every day or two to new areas. And they're also very, very cute. I call them my pets with a purpose. <laughs> pets, uh, pets with a purpose. Um, that yes, sounds nice. Are, I like that. Yeah. They're retired breeding stock, so they um, will not be having calves. They just, they just, yeah, they just go around um, being cute, eating, pooping, and making friends with the, the visitors who come to the farm. You know, that sounds like kind of a nice way to leave, just walk around <laughs> eating and pooping and just being friends with each other. Especially. So I want to hear, what did you do before you started farming and what made you inspired to uh, begin to farm? And I know you took the farming beginnings, uh, beginning your farmery course from the Land Stewardship Project. Yeah, so I grew up on a dairy farm in northeast Wisconsin, um, had been in my mom's family for like six generations. And people would ask me, when you grow up, are you going to marry a farmer? And I'd always say, I don't know. If I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. I certainly complained about having to help with chores, like most kids, I guess. Uh, but uh, I look back on that now, and I think nobody ever, <clears throat> excuse me, nobody ever asked me if I wanted to be a farmer. And I left mm. for college and became an elementary school teacher. And I spent... Um, but nine years teaching elementary school, and I was always trying to farm in my classroom. We were growing plants. We were taking field trips. I was reading them books, anything to connect them with with the land and farming and that just the whole culture around it. And then I, my, my husband and I, had got, we'd gotten married. We started having kids, and so I stayed home to be a stay-at-home mom after the second one was born. And... That's when I just really started looking at these kids and thinking, I want them to grow up on a farm, and and that has I have to make that happen. Uh, my husband was not interested in having that happen, <laughs> so that was a little stressful time in our life. Um, it was just me wanting to farm and him not. Um, he grew up in a farming community, worked on a dairy farm, worked on Christmas tree farm, and he was just like, I don't want to be broke all my life. I don't want to hate what I'm doing. I don't want to be burnt out. He just he just couldn't see how it would work. And, and I get it. Like, I grew up on a dairy farm, so I, I had no idea how I was supposed to start a dairy farm and make that happen. Um, but I met some fellow, I met, met farmers, Dan Gintner, Margaret Pennings, um, who were CSA farming. And Dan took a tour of their farm, and Dan said, if you're interested in farming, you should check out Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings. And that is the first I'd ever heard of it. Um, so I you know, got online, learned about the class, and told my husband, I think we should do this. And the, really the only way I got him to go was because I said, maybe I don't really want to farm, but right now I'm stuck. And maybe if I take this class, I'll find out, you know what, that was a nice dream, but I'm not. That's not really what I want to do. So that's really the only reason he went. Um, luckily for both of us, not only did I find out, yes, I did in fact really want to farm, but he also found out that he really wanted to farm. Um, farm beginnings on the first day, a farmer came in and talked about the sustainability of, of farming and needing to treat the land well so that it keeps improving and making sure that you are financially viable and to make sure that you're lifestyle is something that you you're enjoying it and for my husband in particular when he heard that those three things were were doable that took away his his uh, hesitancy um about farming and then uh through that class we decided that being 
vegetable farmers and see it, the CSA model was the right fit for us. Um, so that's, that's really how we got into it. And it's been, it's definitely gone above and beyond our wildest dreams as far as, um, the growth and success of the farm and, and our happiness with it. I love that. And your farm, you can uh, go to your website by going to threshingtablefarm.org. And I'm just going to read you a little bit or read a little bit from the website. Uh, we encourage everyone to visit the farm, whether you are here to pick your share, share enjoy a potluck farm potluck or member-only bean picking event. Take time to walk the fields, see the pigs, or pet a chicken. It's good for the soul. It is. It really is. And I, um, I, yeah. I was going to say, I spent so many years being farmless, our, my parents had sold our dairy farm when I was in college, and um, and I I know what it was like to want to connect with the land and not having a place to do that. So we just hope that our our farm can be for some people. Um, and um, so you you took the beginning farmers course. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of challenges along the way. Um, but uh, so how have how has the last 16 years uh, been for you or your family? It's been good. Certainly challenges. Um, I, you know, we, we kind of talk about, like, our kids have had this great lifestyle growing up on a farm, but they've absolutely had to make sacrifices as well. There's been no camping trips in the summer or, um, you know, summer vacations that a lot of kids go on because there's time without school that that hasn't been the case for our kids. But they've gotten so many other things because of the farm. Um so it's it's been really good. We started our first year with 25 shares, and we now, um, you know, slowly grew that each year. And now we are at about 300 shares that we do um, each So I think most people um, who listen to um, Food Freedom Radio are very familiar with uh, community-supported agriculture CSAs. But uh, tell us a little bit about, more about that model. Uh, what attracted me to it was having that relationship between myself and our customers, um, having a, a community of people that would support our farm, but also know that they had access to coming out to see our farm, to know right where their food was grown, to read the newsletters that we send out and find out what's happening on our farm. And, and I always say, if the pigs get out, we'll let you know. Um, that that was really important to me and and why we chose CSA. Um, we've, we've had some good and interesting ways that that has grown, which we never expected. Um, we have about a hundred of our shares and we, people do half shares and whole shares. So when I say a hundred shares, it really is probably about 135, 140 families that we're feeding, um, that, that we're connected to some very closely. They, they might even come out and volunteer on the farm or pick up their produce here. Others, we might just get a note in the mail or something or an email because they um, get their share picked up off the farm. But that's about 100 of the shares. The other uh, around 200 shares go to um, Taher Food Service, mm. and then they take those shares, and they're used within their food service um, and, and sent out with their chefs. Their chefs get a chance to use this really good food. That's, and then that's, that's wonderful. That's, in their that's, kitchen, that's so. very surprising. That's wonderful. Um, we're going to yeah. take a break. Um, I'm Laura Hedlund, and you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. And we're talking all about land stewardship projects uh, celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. Uh, you're listening again to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. What's wrong, girl? You don't treat me. 
Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and very pleased to be talking about the Land Stewardship Project uh, today. Um, they're celebrating their 40th years and uh, 40 years. And uh, with us is Jody Lenz. Um, so, Jody, again, remind us um, you've been involved in a, a lot of committees with the Land Stewardship Project, but remind you are a volunteer with them. Remind us of your background. Yes. So I'm a, I'm a vegetable CSA farmer in Star Prairie, Wisconsin. Um, I am my husband and I have three children, and how much more of the background do you want? Oh, that's fine, but you've been on the board, and you've traveled to D.C., and you've been on committees now, and you've been active for 16 years. Yes. And so, uh, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about you know. So why did um why did land stewardship um project begin? What's the point of it? Um, my understanding is that people gathered wanting um a a land conservation organization that would help save a lot of um farmland was 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 being sold off for. Um, urban sprawl for just consolidating into larger and larger farms. The um, the s- small family farm was dying out, and with that, an entire culture. Um, main streets in town were closing down. Schools were losing population. Um, it was just a, a lot of sadness and grief, I think, happening for people watching that happen. And so Land Stewardship Project said, you know, was started in, as a way to conserve this land and then see it um, used in ways that were were the best for the land and the water and the people, um, and to see more people on the land instead of less. So Land Stewardship Project started in 1982, and that was about the same time that the U.S. Ag, um, Secretary of Ag, Earl Butts, was saying, get big or get out. Um, and it was row crop to row crop. It was this whole, we're going to feed the world. But what did that do to our rural communities? And I think, um, you know, I think to this day, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, grief around that because that type of commoditization of, of, of our food system I don't want to oversimplify things, but it did lead to a, a deadening of, of Main Street in rural America. It absolutely did. And I grew up in a small farming community in northeast Wisconsin, and I watched it happen there. Um, I'm still watching it happen as the largest um, CAFO dairies are, are fighting each other for land in what used to be small family farms all over. Um, and, and the water is polluted and there's just so many sad issues that have happened from that bigger get out um, get bigger get out method um yeah one of my theme songs is hey jude um take a sad song and make it better which is what you've been doing for the last 16 years right you've been doing this whole new farming model of a or what was a new considered a new farming model the csa's selling directly to consumers and that that type of relational is just so much better. Healthy soil, healthy people, healthy economies, spread the wealth, spread the joy. And that's what Land yeah. Stewardship Project's all about. Yes. I often say that I I had watched, um, you know, my parents sell our farm and watched neighboring farms go out of business. And it, it affected me deeply. And when, as I was coming out of college and starting to, work as a teacher and just thinking about how all these kids were not going to have that experience. Um, I just, 
I wanted I wanted it to be different, but I had no idea how to make that happen. And when I connected with LSP, I was like, oh, my gosh, they gave a voice to all of the thoughts and feelings that were rattling around between my head and my heart. Um, and there was there were people talking about these issues and doing something about these issues. Um, and that was a huge draw to me as to wanting to be a part of LSP. Uh, people can go on the website and look at the history, but I, I'm just going to mention a couple things because there was um, some, uh, again, it started in 1982. There were some legal issues. Um, and in, in the early 80s, there was a plays called Planting in the Dust. And I actually saw that play in 1995 when I was in the Montevideo area. Um, do you remember those, those doing those plays in rural areas to build awareness around soil, healthy, healthy soil practices? I didn't move to this area till around 2000. So um, I I remember hearing about that play, and then I was a part of, or at least I was. I did see the second play they did, which was "Look Who's Knocking." And "Look Who's Knocking" was a wonderful play about the the question that so many farmers have faced, which is, "I need to sell the farm. We are ready to retire." Who are we going to sell it to? Do we sell it to the the biggest next farm or a realtor who's going to or a development company who's going to build houses here and make a lot of money, which means that I can retire and make sure that my, uh, you know, if I need health care, nursing home, that that's taken care of? Or do I sell to a young farmer who is just trying to get started, knowing I won't make anywhere near as much money, but it matches what I want to have happen and all those decisions that people have to make. Um, it was a great community conversation around those. Um, and then in uh, 1992, then, um, um, Land Stewards Project made, did the very first CSA Fair and the CSA Directory. That was 1992. So I have to say 30 years ago it was when they first did mm-hmm. the, um, the CSA Directory. So how – because how, that did not exist before. And I'm sure Land Stewardship <laughs> Project was one of the key levers that created that, right? Yes, yes. And what does this mean, the CSA develop? What does it mean to farmers? What, what has, what ha, how has CSAs affected um, the food system in the Midwest or Minnesota, Wisconsin? Yeah, I think it's a, it's been, I mean, for us, it was a model that just fit us. Um, I think it's, CSAs have done a wonderful job of connecting people to a farm. We hope, and every, every farmer is different and every farm is different. Um, but we are very interested in community on our farm and connecting with people, and, and that's why we chose the CSA model. We hope that our members and even people who aren't members but live in the area f- feel that we are their farm, that um, that they can come out and, and see us. They can, you know, if I have somebody from the community calls me up and says, hey, can we come out with, you know, and take a field trip, I've had um, – I'd have I've had the county come county programs come out with parents and toddlers. I've had the elderly. Um, you know, it's just to be seen as a resource in the community for other people when they want to come and connect with the land and see farm animals and eat peas right out of the garden. We're just thrilled to be that. And with COVID and so much disruption in what they call the food supply system. Um, that resilience of having a local farm. Here's my farm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. 
It makes sense from uh, both a head and a heart place. Yes, it definitely does. I think a lot of people were um, really happy to be able to connect with the, with local farmers, uh, especially when, when they felt that the food system at large wasn't going to be working for them. Um, it's, it is resiliency um, to be able, we always want to know people who can help us out with whatever it is we're needing. And I think having a, a farmer in your back pocket, so to speak, is, is a really important thing. Yeah, and, you know, one of the other, um, uh, this is 2010, um, uh, there was a movie called Troubled Waters, a Mississippi River story, and it's a beautiful movie. We actually had an AM 950 event with, about that movie. Um, again, this is 2010, so that's 12 years ago. But the movie just told the truth about what's happening with the dominant farming practices, how it hurts the Mississippi River, how it creates a dead zone, all the consequences to water. And that movie, um, Land Stewardship Project, was a, a big push to getting this information in public because, I mean, if we're not kind and if we don't pay attention to our water, we're hurting ourselves and we're hurting future generations. And, I mean, the consequences are almost unfathomable. So we need to learn how to farm in a way that's good for water. And that, that movement is happening. So, And do you work – when you're farming, are you cognizant of water? Yeah, we're super aware. Um, obviously, whether it rains or not, whether I need um, more, um, whether we need to irrigate, we just put in a new irrigation system this summer to hopefully help out some with some of that. We um, are very focused on our water quality here. We have high nitrate levels. I have to buy. I get bottle. Um, I, I didn't. We didn't choose to get reverse osmosis in our in our home, so I go to the grocery store and get my tanks filled um, each week to get clean water. And so we're very aware. We are part of several water studies, which is monitoring all the time um, our well. The nitrates are not going down, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Um, but I wanted to wrap back to you know when LSP worked to make people aware of the Troubled Waters um, movie and the plays they've done. LSP has been so good about trying to educate the public about things that would otherwise, you know, if you don't know, you don't know. And it's hard to tap into what's happening um, in the agricultural world if you're not a part of it. And so I'm grateful to them for all the ways that they have made those connections for the broader public. And when we're facing so many multiple crises, it's hard. It's like not another one, another one, another one. But one of the things I find with the voice of the Land Stewardship Project is almost a joyful resistance. I mean, we can eat in a way that's good for water. That's not impossible. And that's something that makes a lot of sense. And let's figure out how we do that together, which there is been. And and CSAs are a wonderful um, uh, pointer to that direction. But there's more and more people that are coming on board to that honoring water and uh, as a basic um, as a basic human obligation to ourselves. Yeah, I, I would agree. I've had, when I talk to people who are just overwhelmed by um, what's happening in the world and especially to land and water and nature in general, and I, I always, you know, when you think about well, what can I do about it, and I think my 
farming, the act of having this farm and growing food and feeding people really good food and connecting with people over that is is what makes me filled with hope and joy every day that this I I can do this. I can't fix it all, but I can do this. I, and love I know that there's sentence. lots of I can't People do it all, like but I can me. do this. I lo- can't do it all, but I can do this. That's very powerful. Yeah. We're going to turn now um, next. Uh, your your daughter is going to join us in the next segment. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we say goodbye? No other than thank you. I appreciate this opportunity. Okay. Well, thank you so much, jo- uh, Jody Lenz. And that she has the um, thrashingtablefarm.org. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be talking with her daughter, Claudia Lenz. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and very be pleased to be talking about the Land Stewardship Project, who are celebrating their 40th year today. Um, and you're invited to help um, in the celebration on Friday, January 20th. Um, there's a virtual event, um, and it's it's an evening that celebrates our relationship with the land and with each other. It's from 5:30 to 6. Um, the special guest is author of Braiding Sweetgrass, Robin Wall Kimmer. And again, this is a virtual event. Um, Information is on the website at Land Stewardship Project. Um, they, um, so I encourage people to check that out and learn more about that event um, uh, on January 20th, Friday evening from 5.30 to 7. Joining us now is Claudia Lenz. And Claudia, on the earlier show, we were talking with your mom, Jody. So um, welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Claudia. I um, have grown up with my parents vegetable farm. I'm 20. I'm a freshman at UW-Stevens Point studying um, natural resource planning with minors in political science and soil science. And I've done a lot with LSP through the years, um, kind of jumped around. So um, what's your idea of food freedom? You, I, I'm, that, that background's really impressive. So what is your idea of food freedom? Food freedom? Yeah. Um. I guess my first thought on that would be just the idea that um, we need a lot more variety within our food and we need a lot more um, options both for producers and consumers on, you know, ability to grow food, ability to eat and find food, um, and all along that line. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Now, and of course, um, Land Project has a long history of helping beginning farmers. Your parents participated in it 16 years ago. And there is a, a, a really strong need right now for beginning farmers for several reasons. One is that farmers are aging. The average ages of farmers, I don't remember it right now, but I know it's quite old. Can you speak on that? I mean, the need for young people to go into farming? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's definitely a really big need right now. Um, for young farmers. The, you're correct. The average age for a farmer is over 65. I'm not sure what it is currently, but um, yeah, they're, they're expecting a, a large decline in the number of farmers in coming years, particularly because so many farmers are going to be hitting a retirement age or an age where they just can't viably farm anymore. There are not currently enough young people who are seeing farming as a viable option um, 
for a lifestyle or for a career path, um, largely because of because of the way that the agricultural systems are set up. Um, there's there's not a lot of space that most people see to find um, a way to begin farming. Um, just just you know, if you were to start point blank, um, LSP is really great because they do offer those opportunities for young people. Programs like Farm Beginnings, um, which is being replicated across the country um, in different forms based off of how LSP started it, are really helping young people to see farming as a viable option and hopefully fill those gaps within the coming years. So let's um, let's talk about um, w- one of your passions is climate change and farming. Share mm-hmm. with us some information about climate change and farming. Yeah, so climate change as a whole is an issue that obviously affects many, many people. Um, it is largely known to affect um, predominantly groups of color, um, but it also primarily affects people who are living in tune with nature more because when you're spending more time with nature, you're going to see the effects more. That then comes back to people farming and in agriculture. Um, she, it's, it's nature becoming, seems kind of you know, mad at humans for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, my My parents always say, you know, it's not a matter of are we going to beat climate change or not because the climate is always changing and the climate is going to continue to change and do what it needs to. It's a matter of if we as people are going to write ourselves into that equation or not. Um, I always really resonate with that and try to remember that um, in my day-to-day life. But the climate um, and, you know, conservation practices within agriculture go hand in hand. Um, As we continue to look at farms that tend to get bigger and bigger and consolidate into, you know, monocultures and cropping um, of that sort, they tend to also take with that um, poorer practices for soil quality. Soil is exponentially helpful um, when it comes to both combating climate change, sequestering carbon, um, protecting our waterways, um, and all, all sorts of other things that go with that. Well, now, um, one of the things we've been talking a lot about, um, and we had uh, David Montgomery and Anne Bouquet on the station is uh, on, on Food Freedom Radio, is the growing um, recognition on how human health and the health of the soil are, are connected. And we need to be eating from healthy soil to be healthy people. Um, and so, um, but that's, that's easier said than done in some ways. Um, but mm-hmm. that's what's so wonderful about CSAs and farms like the, the, the land that you're on is 18 acres. So tell us about the 18 acres that you're on and your experience with um, being on the soil and, and in the land. Yeah. Um, so our 18 acres is um, originally Sioux and Ojibwe land. I'd like to start by saying that. Um, it is, it's amazing to me when I walk through our fields um, and spend time on it, the amount that we can produce sustainably on that land compared to the amount that would be produced in a conventional corn, soybean, wheat field, any of the sort. Um, the amount of variety that we are growing between um all the different species of plants that we have, you know, ranging from potatoes and onions to potatoes and sweet corn. We do have a small, small sweet corn patch, um, as well as mixing in, you know, animals such as our, our two cows and all the wildlife, too, that we see within our fields. Adding that variety and diversity helps strengthen the food that we're eating as well as the soil that we're growing it in um, by by creating those healthier um 
food, you know, at the root, so to speak, um, where it starts, it then, you know, transfers to healthier food for us to eat and to be putting in our bodies. Well, and I love what you just said there. And I know we were just even a few minutes late because someone came to buy maple syrup from the farm. Yes. So, so, Um, yeah. Yeah, we make maple syrup at our cabin in Winter, Wisconsin. Um, And we we just kind of started that as a pastime in winter during our slow season. We started it actually before we bought our farm. Um, And so that's something my dad and his friends really enjoy doing. But we do sell that syrup on the farm as well. So, uh, yeah, to feed the world, we do, do you think to feed the world we need chemicals and monoculture? Um, I think a lot of people would say that that's the clear option, but I would say we need to be looking outside of the box to find better options. Um, just because it's the easy option now doesn't make it the healthy, sustainable, or um, most effective option. Um, I, yeah, really, I, I love the way you just said yeah. that, too. And I know you've been volunteering on um, with the Land Stewardship Project on their farm bill of 2023. So I want to make sure we have enough time mm-hmm. to talk about the five specific areas of the farm bill. Um, and you, we touched a little bit on it, but consolidation. So talk about consolidation and what and, 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 and Land Stewardship Project's um, viewpoint on it. Yeah, so consolidation um, within agriculture is is. A growing issue. Um, when when you see more consolidation, you see less competition within the marketplace. Um, it, it prevents small farms or, um, you know, family farmers from being able to have a viable business um, and see a viable market for their products. Um, we also lead to more monopolies um, within agriculture, um, whether that be, you know, our, our seed providers um, for large farms or the markets that are buying our products. Um, And then there's also not as much funding for small farms um, within agriculture. Um, Yeah, that that consolidation, I mean, it is, I mean, I just want to side out when, when, you know, when the pandemic hit and all of a sudden it's like, well, if you got these big factory, you got four companies controlling 85% of the beef slaughtering. That's uh, that's not a resilient food system, number one. And there's no. so much effort on that, trying to break that consolidation. And 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 I think we can really, um, in a rural area, there's probably um, how, how we can come together to break that um, consolidation, even though people may have different viewpoints. Yeah. Yep. Um, so so those things that I mentioned before are all things that um, LSP is actively working. Um, to prevent and come against, but as well as you were mentioning, you know, the, our processing plants um, for for meat in particular, um, as those shrink, you know, if one goes down, that's that's a big blow to to a lot of people. Um, by investing in local food systems, by buying produce um, and products of all sorts locally, and um, knowing where it comes from, knowing your farmers, you're not only supporting those farmers, you're supporting the processes that allow you to have access to that food. And when you do support those farmers, that's money that goes back into those local economies to support things like schools, um, hospitals, other programs that help people who are not farming but are living in rural communities. So there's five specific areas. One is consolidation, and the second is conservation and climate. Want to talk a little bit about conservation and climate? Yeah. So like I said um, earlier, conservation and climate go hand in hand. Obviously, um, climate change is something that farmers see a lot. Um, Conservation with that. Um, and the ability for landowners, whether they are farming or not, um, to, to actively put their land in conservation programs or use practices that help to protect it, um, help to 
help to combat climate change and um, just build a healthier system overall. And there's some fun fun perennial crops are raising, agroforestry. We had tree range farms. There's a beautiful um, emerging uh, regenerative farm, some, sometimes what people labeling. It's actually going on globally, but it, it comes down to um, respect for soil. Yes. Yep. Soil sovereignty is, is very important. Um, and it's just an important thing to recognize that, you know, intrinsically we need healthy soil to have anything else come from it. Soil sovereignty. I, I like that. We should do a whole show on soil, so, soil sovereignty. <laughs> that, that would be a good show. Um, and then uh, the third of the five areas is crop in, insurance reform. Yes. Yep. So currently a majority of crop insurance uh, within the country is only made available for for five main crops, um, which are, are your normal cash crops such as corn and soybeans. Um, and the majority of those funds go to just a small percentage of farmers. Um, and so LSP is working to encourage um, more of that money to be made available to smaller farms and farms that are producing things that are not those major five crops. By doing that, you know, we're, we're encouraging more diversity within that soil to help protect it, and we're promoting um, a more viable lifestyle for our farmers. And the fourth platform is Young, Beginning, and BIPOC Farmers. So talk about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so young people in agriculture are are extremely important. We need more young people being able to take over farms as well as beginning a BIPOC farmers. Um, farm access for people who are not able to inherit a farm is very difficult without programs set in place. LSP, through their Farm Beginnings Program, as well as a lot of their programs, such as in this policy plan, um, works to encourage um, more programs that support young beginning and BIPOC farmers um, to be able to own lease um, and create their own farms and farming businesses um, so that they can help contribute to um, maintaining this healthy food system. Yeah, and this is so vital is to get young and beginning and BIPOC farmers um, um, access to the land so that they can also um, support a a, a future-focused soil-respecting food system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky that if I wanted to farm, there would be um, a much easier pathway for me eventually to take over my parents' farm. Um, I don't know if that will be the case for me, um, but, but I already know that I'm lucky to have that opportunity. I have several friends and people I know who, who grew up interested in agriculture but don't have a direct access to it, um, and they're going to be facing a much harder battle at accessing land um, being able to afford it, being able to afford all the inputs they need to start a farming operation, um, if, well, if that's something they choose. And I would love, I want to do some more shows on this too, because I know there are people that are trying to do like community trust for land and growing and, mm-hmm. you know, how do we come together and, and create new models? And just what like like um, Land Stewardship um, Project is celebrating your 40th anniversary this year, um, and They've invented the CSA model in 1992 that that sort of came up. So, I mean, having new mm-hmm. models of land access and, and ways to make it easier for people who want to even just explore the occupation. I mean, it's, talk about a tough occupation to get into. Okay, first I need a couple million dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, but I mean, to, to truly, really make that food system accessible. And then the fifth thing is, um, is the regional food system. So the five platforms of LSP's 
2023 Farm Bill are um, addressing consolidation, conservation and climate, crop insurance reform, young beginning in BIPOC farmers. And then the fifth one is regional food systems. So what does Mm -hmm. that mean? Yeah, so regional food systems is just the idea of promoting a food system that works within a specific area. Um, So farmers are typically producing produce that's staying within, you know, a designated amount of space, whether that be um, 25 miles, 100 miles, whatever, whatever that may be, um, to to really be feeding the people within their community. Um, And then those community members are also supporting the farmers within their community. And by doing that, um, we need to look at, you know, our processing plants for meat and other things of that sort. We need to look at access to farmers markets and grocery stores that are selling produce that's grown locally, um, ability to, um, you know, support bakeries and things of that sort within our community so that those, those businesses have a way to be viable as well. Um, it really, you know, it's, it's about creating healthy food systems that support people in rural communities and in urban communities um, and making those connections across that while also not depending on food to be transported thousands and thousands of miles across the country um, or across the globe to get to us when we have people who are perfectly capable of producing that food within our local communities. So Claudia Lenz with uh, threshingtablefarm.org. Last minute, anything else you'd like to say? Um, I'm just really grateful that I was able to grow up um, with the knowledge and access to these um, kind of topics through both the Land Stewardship Project and my parents. Um, and I'm excited to see what LSP continues to do in the future. Are you optimistic about the future? I am. I think I have to be. Um, it's it's a very daunting project to be working on of um, of looking at what the future of agriculture and the future of our land is going to look like. Um, but obviously, if we don't focus on that, then there we can't control the results that come out of it. Um, and that that's a that's a scarier topic. <laughs> It is a scarier topic. So, but the, the thing to do with fear is to face it, right? And not just mm-hmm. run from it, but actually facing the fears. Um, so, I so much appreciate um, your time, Claudia Lenz. Again, Land Stewardship Project, uh, 40th anniversary. You're invited to their event on January 20th, um, an evening that celebrates our relationship with the land and with each other. That's a virtual online event, and you can get more information by going to landstewardshipproject.org. Have a wonderful weekend, and thanks you for li- thank you for listening.